Hi there everyone and welcome to this week's podcast from journalism.co.uk. I'm Caroline Scott and on this programme we'll be hearing from RT reporter Keen McCormack who's really taken the term mobile journalist to a whole new level, spending eight days cycling around Ireland reporting on stories from all over the country. We're going to hear about his experiences on the road, the challenges he faced and the stories he covered, as well as the mojo kit and apps he used to capture material for radio and online audiences. Stay with us. Before we hear from Kian, I wanted to take a moment to remind you about our upcoming News Rewired conference on the 19th of July at Reuters in London. We're going to talk about spatial audio, push alerts, journalists collaborating with developers and more. Visit newsrewired.com and grab your ticket for just £180 plus VAT before we sell out. See you there! The thing about mojo or mobile journalism is that I think the best mobile journalists will be the ones who want to investigate and find out about new technology and how it can really, really benefit how they can tell stories on different platforms. That's Keen McCormick, who's just finished the third annual series of Ireland by Bike, a project he developed in 2014 for Irish broadcaster RTE. In this, he'd cycle with his mojo kit from the northwest to the southwest of Ireland, stopping off in various towns and villages to find locals willing to share their stories and talk about the issues that matter to them. In particular, finding out how people are unlocking the potential of the areas that they're living in. A daily broadcast with live guests on Morning Ireland on RT Radio 1 was supplemented with video blogs on RT Lifestyle, material on RT News Now Television and social media channels, all before hopping back on his bike and cycling to the next destination ready to start interviewing again. You have to be organised and structured in advance. Planning gives you flexibility. So I would plan in advance roughly the journey I would be travelling. We would send out um, information to local newspapers that we would be roughly in their area during the period of time the series is running. Uh, People will contact us uh, because it's an immersive series where people feed back to us on Twitter and by email. So although the course would have been set, uh, I would have had the flexibility to change if a better story came along. And that's the key to the series where it's highly organized, but you have the flexibility for if somebody contacts you to say, I have a good story in terms of the theme that you're investigating during the series, you have the ability to change that then. But in terms of the structure of my day, I mean, you're up at half five in the morning because Morning Ireland and RT Radio 1 is broadcast between seven and 9 a.m structure of my day would be early rise at half at 5:30 a.m. After that I would set up my equipment and do tests with studio uh, at roughly half past 6. Between half past 6 and 7 o'clock I would shoot my piece to camera for the online content and then I would start editing uh, my online content on Luma Fusion. Uh, with the footage that I had shot the previous day uh, from my pre-recorded clips. And by 10 past seven, I would have sent that to social media, everything going well, and put it on the Google Drive for the online people to collate in terms of RTE lifestyle. But at 10 past seven, I then would call into RTE News Now and check my live view stream. And after that, 
I would concentrate on the broadcast, be on air at 7.40 uh, for five to six minutes. Then I would concentrate on some more online content until about 10 past eight when my guests would arrive. And then I'd be back on air at 8.40 or 8.45 for maybe about eight minutes. After every broadcast finished at nine o'clock, I would reset up my tripod, re-mic myself up, and I would do a video blog for RTE Lifestyle as they chronicled my story as I traveled for Ireland by bike. It was simple. It was basic. It was me uh, giving my opinion and giving information for maybe between 30 and 50 seconds uh, so they could use it online. So it would basically consist of me saying, I have finished my broadcast here in th- at this location. Later, I will travel to wherever I was going. And then my legs are feeling wobbly. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, the weather is good. The weather is bad. Uh, I'll have to wear more sunscreen. I'll have to get more plastic bags. So it was just giving that personal side to it uh, that, you know, might be a little bit lost on radio because ultimately you're working on a news program. I would have to do a complete stock take of all my equipment, repack it, uh, have some breakfast, jump on the bike by about half ten, start cycling, start interviewing, and then by maybe about six o'clock or seven o'clock in the evening, I would hit my hotel or bed and breakfast or wherever I was staying. I would eat and script simultaneously. I would start cutting my clips for radio on ferrite. I would um, have them sent by maybe half 10 or 11 o'clock. Then I would need to charge all my equipment and do yet another stock take, get ready for the morning broadcast. I'd be in bed if I was really lucky at 11.30 p.m. or maybe 12 or maybe one o'clock. So it is a really highly structured, high-paced day, and uh, but very rewarding at the end of it. Keen told me that when he did this series in 2014, the equipment he had to carry around with him, like laptops, satellite units, batteries and recorders, amounted to almost 40 kilos. Technology has advanced enough since then that it's almost halved its load this year. For radio, everything I recorded was on the app Ferrite and it was all edited on Ferrite uh, on the iOS uh, iPad. In terms of my television online video content, it was all recorded in Filmic Pro, uh, edited in LumaTouch on the phone and um, it was uploaded in two ways, directly to social media, but also as well I uploaded any files I had to Google Drive and it was collated in-house by RTE Lifestyle for the website. So we were hitting a number of areas of traditional media in terms of radio, uh, my main output, uh, where on the morning I was doing my live broadcast from location, uh, Q&A with clips on a live guest. Uh, also as well, streaming live pictures via live view, via my iPhone, bonding two mobile 4G signals to get those pictures live on RTE News Now television. It's really high turnaround situation. So really you benefit by using the phone because when you're shooting for online, uh, when you're shooting for social media, it means everything is on your phone. So you're not transferring uh, files across to a laptop to edit. Uh, you're not waiting for you know the import time. 
uh, that everything is on your phone. You've shot in Filmic Pro, you have it in your camera roll, you edit in Luma, touch, and bang, it's out. So from the time it took to produce and broadcast content to the ease of the workflow using apps already on his devices, mobile journalism gave Kean so much more flexibility to make content for all of these platforms than he would have had using more traditional kits. But it wasn't all plain sailing. I asked Kean to tell us about the difficulties he had out in the field. Well, there are a number of challenges that I've faced and I knew I would challenge them. Firstly, bandwidth in rural areas. Even when you're on 4G, you're at the very end of it. Ideally, in this kind of series, I would like to be doing everything via mobile broadband, but it's not possible. So when I was the technical side of doing my broadcast live, I was using my telephone for live view to stream the pictures. That was bonding with my MiFi unit, so two 4G signals were being used to stream the pictures back to RTE from the live broadcast. That was taking up a lot of bandwidth. I had been advised on this series and the series last year not to risk it in terms of using tie line reported. I was advised not to use that simultaneously because I may not have the bandwidth, especially in a rural area. So that forced me to bring a BGAN unit with the ISCM, which is generally bulletproof. I had a 100% hit rate with that in relation to all of my broadcasts, except for the last day. There was a challenge when the antenna went down. I had a spare cable. I <laughs> repaired it at half six in the morning in windy and wet conditions. Uh, another of uh, other challenges, windy and wet conditions and uh, keeping your equipment dry. It's a year old. Uh, I mean, this is a problem that any reporter faces, but it was a certainly a difficult form difficulty for me in relation to streaming the pictures from the iPhone. Uh, I had a lot of gaffer tape, a lot of plastic bags, but I really had no real uh, 100% solution to keeping my equipment dry. It took a lot of towels, a lot of plastic bags, and a lot of gaffer tape. Key bit of equipment in any Mojo's bag. Filming and editing. Um, I didn't have any difficulty in terms of filming and editing the audio or video, but where I did have a major problem was when I was recording on Filmic Pro using my iRig Pro HD mic. It wasn't working. Um, I adjusted game controls in the app and physically on the microphone, but I was sounding like a Klingon. It was heavily distorted and there was no way around that but to go back to an old headset cable and to use an old XLR microphone uh, that seemed to be the solution for me. Uh, so that was one difficulty. You have to be able to work around these things uh, when you're out because I was working alone. Uh, I had no backup. You just really have to think about a solution when you're out there. So that might be a reason as well for all of the extra material. Also in relation to my live, something that was off-putting in terms of doing my lives through my telephone or iPad using Report IT tie-line was that it takes a mono input. This meant uh, before the series, I had trialed using an iRig uh, Duo HD, uh, which is two inputs, but it outputs in stereo, which meant I was only getting one channel. And a series like this, is the key to it in terms of radio is that you have your main reporter's mic, the one you're reporting into, the one you're talking to people on, but you have an effects mic running out. So people get the sense that you're actually out and about and they can hear birds singing in the background. They can hear the weather. They can hear the sea. That wasn't possible as far as I could ascertain uh, through 
uh, that setup that I've just described. I had uh, another solution, uh, which was using um, a Zoom H5 and splitting the channels through that. But again, I just wasn't getting enough gain on the second channel uh, to justify doing it. So that pushed me into using the Glen Sound and the BGAN unit, uh, which is ISDN based. So they were kind of the big challenges uh, that I faced when I was out on the series. But the benefits of doing this as a mobile journalist enabled Keegan to get unique stories from places Morning Island doesn't usually go to, meeting characters they might not necessarily come across. One man had developed a cliff walk on his farming land on the edge of a cliff and he had a horse that cl he claimed could speak 16 languages including Cantonese. That was humorous. So you meet all of these characters also as, as well when the summer solstice was happening I was able to engage with people who were celebrating it through old Celtic traditions, but they also were unlocking the rural potential by attracting people into their glamping site uh, and bringing people into their local area to bring up the local economy. I mean, you just meet people doing unusual things. And the one story that stood out for me was when I was in the Burren, B-U-R-R-E-N in County Clare, and I went to an eco-nature reserve. Uh, I was there, and when I arrived, I don't think I was so impressed. But then, as time went by, I realised there was something really special. Here was a project in the middle of nowhere that was attracting a lot of parents with their children. And the most interesting part of that was not where children were allowed to pet animals, but where they had developed a big attraction where a pig led a fairy walk through a fairy wood. Well, when I started this series, I said I wanted to see how people are unlocking the potential of rural Ireland. And that led me to here in Canvara to the Burren Nature Sanctuary and Cafe. It's run by husband and wife, Mary and Roy Birmingham, and they set it up with the help of leader funding. It's creating jobs in Canvara. And because it has a coffee shop, it means they're sustaining those jobs through the winter months as well. <coughs> So we're in the hazel woodland, which is the fairy woodland. Um, the townland here is Clunasee, which means meadow of the fairies, or meadow of the wise people. And we've just taken Amelia, the mini pig, for a walk to find out where the fairies live. So this is the fairy post box. And if you put your email address very carefully on there, um, they might send you a reply if you have a question, because they have Wi-Fi now. They're very up to date. I suppose the idea of picking the small stories that I've mentioned is to show that in places outside of Dublin, outside of the big cities, that there is a lot going on, that people are unlocking that rural potential. But every story that I would pick would be a story that could be replicated in countless numbers of villages, towns, communities all over Ireland. So it resonates with people. And certainly where you would tell a story uh, that resonates with people. Someone will contact you from a different part of the country telling you that they had something similar or something as good or something better. But a good indicator to how a series like this, how popular it is, is when people come out to meet you. So uh, I was met by a group of locals who cycled me to their village. Uh, the local children were in the hall playing music for me. Everyone was out taking photos and there was a lot of excitement about the series. It's not something I would encounter on my day-to-day -day reporting 
uh, when I'm not doing a series like this, but you could see the energy and the excitement that a series like this generates. It's always interesting as well in terms of people feeding back to you through Twitter. And we had a special email address set up for the series. We had countless emails to that email address from people. So that's a good indicator to how the series is being received. And they were 99% positive. Keen hopes to continue to grow and develop the series further, eager to see what else he could achieve as a one-man band on wheels. This is low budget. This is one man, his bike and a lot of equipment, a lot of patience and not enough time. But it is certainly uh, rewarding. I'm hoping that as time progresses that I'll be able to leave the heavier equipment at home and the heavier equipment is the old ISCN uh, satellite unit. But I think for the moment, I couldn't put my 100% trust in uh, 4G uh, mobile signals uh, in the extremities of Ireland um, because sometimes you just don't get that signal. My advice for other reporters or organisations who want to follow a similar project is, number one, you need to give someone freedom. So I was ultimately given the freedom to pursue this project. The organisation, my editors, had the confidence in me that I could pull it off, essentially. This is cost-effective in terms of, in the past when I started reporting, I would have involved an editor, a reporter, and a sound op. And that was three people who were staying overnight in some rural location in Ireland, and they were all travelling independently. Uh, With this, it just gives the programme the ability to dig a bit deeper. And to do it, I think the person who does it needs to have confidence to explore the possibilities that mobile journalism presents any reporter. The person doing it has to have the hunger to, to be constantly picking away at this on smaller projects before they go for a bigger project like this. Uh, from the point of view of an organisation or a big programme, uh, in terms of radio or and then in terms of online content, the organisation needs to shift its view in terms of maybe what represents news, that it's not always the big story that counts that sometimes it's the small story that resonates with more people. And it's the confidence to shift that way of thinking that will only get organisations to do this kind of reporting, where they will allocate the resources back at base um, to, to collate the information as it comes in for online, or they will allocate the time in terms of the traditional news programmes uh, and not back down from it, where they say, we're going to have two segments every day for almost two weeks. We're sticking to that, no matter what happens in terms of the news agenda. That's a constant struggle in terms of news, but there's a massive benefit uh, when an organisation or a group of editors decide to stick to their decision. It's always a brave decision. It's always a rewarding decision. And in terms of feedback, it seems to really excite uh, listeners, viewers, uh, people who are engaging online and on social media. And you can catch up with all the action online on the RTE Radio 1 webpage. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website.